Free Oz being broadcast on KRLA in Pasadena and originating live from the Magic Mushroom, 11345 Ventura Boulevard in the star-studded city of Studio City. So, and also we learned a little while ago that KRLA, which is in Pasadena, the station itself is built on the site of a great Indian massacre. <laughs> and... Uh, well, you ought to see what Boss Radio is built on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's building the corpse of a lot of bosses, man. That's bad karma. Uh, we have with us, as our first mystery guest of the evening, Craig, one of, the, one of the messengers for the traditional Indians in this land. And what we want to get into right away is a little bit of the history behind the receiving of this spirit message, this spirit poem, so that people can get a, a further understanding of what's really going on because to some who turned in late I suppose they were hearing in a sense kind of what sounded like a translation poem you know it made sense but they didn't know precisely why how did it all come about Craig well for a long time we've been looking for live gypsies uh, we know that gypsies have prophetic instructions just like we do in fact all traditional people do as far as we know but we weren't able to find any Recently in San Francisco, we talked with an old lady and asked her if the gypsies of San Francisco were preparing to get out of town and get back to their wild, free life that belongs to them. And she said, no, we've gotten here now. We've become fat and lazy. We'll die here with the, with the uh, corrupt ones, the white people. And she says, I remember the wild, free days when the earth was clean and the air was beautiful. But she says, I'll never see it again. I said, how about those people in Los Angeles? Do you know any gypsies down there that are alive, that are uh, looking towards the future and preparing for the future? And she said, there may be some, but I don't know of any. We've just become fat and lazy, that's all. Well, it was on Halloween day, and I had a feeling something significant would happen on Halloween because it has, in the past two years, something significant has happened on Halloween as far as the Indian situation is concerned here got this phone message. Uh, a gypsy was receiving automatic writing. He didn't like it. He didn't understand it. It pertained to Indians about which he knew nothing. And he wanted me to come and talk with him about it. So he read me the poem. And it tied in with things that have been happening within the past three days or four days. And tied in so closely that it really uh, excited me. It really encouraged me to go ahead and do things that had been started and left kind of shelved temporarily. So I found a live gypsy. He lamented over the fact that his people were becoming fat and lazy, that they're even turning into Christians. And he says, the Christianity they're turning to isn't a traditional Christianity, something that has power or roots. He says they're becoming holy rollers. He says, I know of only one other gypsy besides myself that uh, still looks to the traditions. He said, there may be others, but he said, I only know of the two of us. So at least he found a live one. That's been years. We've been looking for years, you know. Well, you not only got a live one, you got one that was chosen to translate or to, in a sense, work as the medium for a very important message. What, what, do you, what did the message mean to you? What do you think was the basis of it? Who do you think gave it and why? You know, what's the whole paraphernalia behind it? Well, uh, judging from the information the gypsy got, which corroborated information I'd received, the same night that the gypsy received it. Now, I was several hundred miles from Los Angeles at the time, and I was uh, awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning 
with a whole bunch of uh, very enthusiastic type thoughts, but I've been wakened by the spirit before at two o'clock in the morning, and I'd written down the things that I thought were significant, but by dawn's early light, they looked pretty impractical. So after he had me hopped up there for about an hour, telling me things about where communities should be established and how to start and so forth, I said, please go away and leave me alone. This all sounds great here in the middle of the night, but I know that from past experience, when it becomes daylight again, it's not gonna look too practical. So please go away and leave me alone. So he did, he left me just about three o'clock, I went to sleep, and at three o'clock he came down here and woke the gypsy up and started writing through him, <laughs> turning on in greater detail the things he'd been telling me up at the I have base received of this no answer. <laughs> I have received no answer. Right. <laughs> now, like I say, the gypsy had no experience with Indians at all, and yet the symbology there, this black and white feather, for instance, uh, that was one of the most popular icons or symbols of the ghost dance. And as I walked in the door, he says, what does a black and white feather falling into the night mean? And I said, I don't know, but to me it means that the ghost dance uh, has gone into eclipse, it's gone into darkness, it's not active. And uh, so then we read the poem and found out that it not only fell into the night, but it's now falling out of the night. And that this would be a literal symbol, the black and white feather, this uh, magpie feather falling out of the night. And we've had a couple of them since then. They just fall. You'd be walking along and there'd be a black and white feather drop down in front of you. And now you know what it means, baby, when you walk down the street and get a black and white feather on the street. Oh, Lord, the time has come. The yeah, time. the ghost dance people are going to be coming back. The ghost dance, which in, in very bad paraphrase, is the dance that sprang up because of Wovoka, was it not? Yes. And Wovoka was a, was a great Indian, American Indian mystic religious leader, inspired man, what was he and what did he do and how did it end? <laughs> He's not just a mystic and a meditator, not just an inspired man, but he was also a miracle worker. A man by the name of Paul Bailey wrote a book about Woboka in which he uh, makes fun of the miracles there because he didn't understand them. But the people who experienced these miracles up near Shores, Nevada, people who knew Woboka, people whose lives had been saved by the power that backed up or worked with Woboka, uh, <laughs> they know better. So they're pretty upset about Paul Bailey's book. I'm pretty upset about Paul Bailey's book too because I'm convinced that Wovoka was a genuine prophet in our time and the message he gave, he was out of the body for several days by the way, before he came back with his message for these times, that is to say about 1890 onward, the message he gave was also accompanied with the, the prophecy that Indians from all over would come to hear this message. And it turned out to be true because in those days, in spite of the uh, wars with Uncle Sam, most of us still had free passage on railways. Railway right-of-ways had been put through Indian territories with the understanding that Indians could ride for free on railroads. And so this was taken advantage of, and Indians did come from all over. Some people misinterpreted the instructions and the prophecies that Wovoka gave them. Others understood. Some were impatient and thought it was happening right away that the great uh, seas of mud and the other signs that would destroy this mammonist or Babylonian so-called civilization that were supposed to come in the spring were to be the next spring, 1891 or thereabouts. But of course it didn't mean that. It meant the spring of the new era, the new day, the new uh, Which is fast coming upon us. Which is here now. Yeah, it's coming. I mean, it's, yeah, it's here. 
in embryo. The hill next to us uh, fell apart a couple of days ago. <laughs> That's because it was built by the deputy chief of police, but aside from that, <laughs> it's still fundamentally a sign. Yeah, its foundations are crumbling, that's true. But the ghost dance uh, reached its end in the massacre at Wounded Knee. Oh, no. No. Ghost dances are still going on, and people still remember. It isn't talked about openly. Uh, hasn't been. It's not coming out more into the open. And this wave of uh, dark people rising up, uh, the context in which it's used leads me to believe it's the people of Oklahoma who will be coming alive again. Because most of those people there are displaced people, and I'm speaking now of Indian people. People who have pretty well forgotten their traditions because they're not on their own homelands. And they therefore do not have the uh, visible symbols to identify with and remember their prophetic instructions with. But things are happening in Oklahoma now, and it looks to me like they will revive, and uh, there's a great day coming. Well, one of the things that runs through this spirit poem is the connection be between those of feather and those of bead. Right. Right. Yeah. I was yeah. pretty upset about the uh, hippie movement. Uh, we all know that life progresses uh, actively, then there's a little period of uh, sleep or rest, and then it takes another step. And from the beatnik movement, there's a little resting period, then it built up in the hippie movement, and the resting period came, and I didn't like to see that. I wanted to make a bigger step that time. But the resting period seems to be here. I was concerned as to what uh, we might be able to do to uh, prepare for the next period of activity. Uh, was it really going to die? No. But what could we do to help out? Well, this poem mentions hippies too, as I see it, and ties it in even more closely with the traditional Indian movement here, which makes me happy, because we're all in this thing together. And I like to have this gypsy coming in on the scene and confirming the thoughts that uh, I was hoping for and encouraging us along that line. I'm going to be awful glad when the gypsies become active with us because those people really got far. Well, one of the things that's been happening amongst the hip community is that they've been, in a sense, leaving the city, not in great numbers, because as the poem says, this is not going to happen to everybody that comes down from Laurel Canyon to do it. It's going to happen only to uh, a small number of people who suddenly see that the time is coming, and they gather together, many padded feet will fall into the night, those who are weak shall join together and move into the east, a leader shall be found amongst the two, a man of thirty sons. So many of these things are so specific, and you find that amongst many hip, the gathering together and the making of survival communities, Drop City in Trinidad, Colorado, uh, the places up in Big Sur, other places that you've never even heard of because they don't go around publicizing themselves in the underground press. That's right. Have you visited any of these communes or villages or whatever they might be? No, the way hasn't opened yet. I have uh, visited and even worked with communes that were in existence before the uh, beats got started up on North Beach. But I haven't really visited any of these uh, hippie communes. I've talked with uh, delegates or representatives from them, people who've lived in them. I've had invitations, fortunately, for which I'm thankful to visit them, but the time hasn't seemed right yet. Uh, perhaps someday I'll have a message to take with them, take to them, and then I'll have uh, justification for going. In, uh, 